Amen, amen. Good morning, everyone. I am Ricky Ayala. I, have to, I feel like I have to introduce myself because I've been out for two weeks. And uh, so here I am. I'm so gr- I'm grateful to be here with all of you. And thank you for coming here today. I thank Pastor Rob and Pastor Gill as they were able to uh, preach in my absence. Uh, today's uh, sermon title is that we are to be prepared to share. And I'm going to ask you to please open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament, chapter 3. I'll be reading from verses 13 through 16. Now, I'll be reading from the NLT version, so if you have your own Bible, you may have a different translation. But the Bible, beginning on verse 13 of the chapter 3, 1 Peter, says this. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear that if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Let's pause for a word of prayer. And God, we come before your presence this very moment, and we're so thankful as we've come together and just worship you and given of our tithes and our offering, we come to this moment in our worship service and that we ask, Lord, that your spirit move within us by receiving your word today. We're thankful for the week as we prepared for this message, Lord, and that we can deliver, and I can deliver with boldness, Lord, and and that it could be a life-changing message for those who are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, ladies and gentlemen, we begin today with a new series because our Latin Spiritual Growth Campaign study titled Jesus Among Secular Gods by Ravi Zacharias and Vince Vitale. Now, about three weeks ago, the weekend of February 9th and 10th, one of their speakers, Nathan Rittenhouse, came and he spoke at every worship service, a great speaker that allowed us to prepare for what we were going to be uh, endeavoring in in this study of Jesus among secular gods. We're going to be discussing the isms that are coming out from the secular uh, realm and talking about atheism and, and scientism. Pluralism and humanism, relativism and hedonism. Some of you may see like, what are all those things? You know, that's what we're going to be tackling as throughout these six six weeks of this study. Jesus among secular gods is is a study in apologetics. And you're saying, well, what is apologetics? Well, I'm glad you asked. It is a branch of theology uh, concerned with the defense of the faith. In the verse 15 of the scripture that I just mentioned, it says here, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So that's where all this is coming from. You see, all Christians should be, in a sense, apologetics. Every believer should be able to give a well-reasoned explanation or the defense of their faith. The believers should understand what an apologist must say or or, or do. It doesn't mean that everyone needs to be an expert apologist just like Ravi Zacharias or or, or other uh, well-known. But believers should know the what, the why, the how in sharing their beliefs 
with the unbelievers. We should know the Bible well enough that we can fend off the questions that come from unbelievers. Why is this important? Let me provide you with two statistics. According to the study book of Jesus Among Secular Gods, a staggering number of students, some have estimated as high as 70% who head to college confessing uh, Christ, are no longer active in their faith by the time they graduate. That is a staggering number. Another study by the Barna Group says that 40% of millennial Christians feel that evangelism is wrong. I'm sure enough that there are some variables or or factors of why these numbers are so high. But it's a possibility that these percentages have to do with questions that they asked but remained unanswered. You see, people of all ages are looking for meaning. They're looking for peace. They're looking for grace. They're looking for love, just to name a few. But how are we to respond to people with questions? Are they to be considered as doubters just because they ask questions? Ravi Zacharias says here, it says, don't think of every question as a doubt. Think of every question as a door. He says that it as a door of an opportunity of knowing more and understanding. If, uh, it's how we build relationships by asking. Anytime you want to know someone better is to know, ask questions. Take the time, intentional time to spend with them. And ask questions. What do you like? What do you don't like? And what happens is you build those that type of relationships that strengthen Uh, of knowing what they like or don't like, but here's what happens. There are people who live in in this earth and and, uh, day by day and sometimes week by week or month by month, they're holding on to something. They're holding on to this bitterness. They're holding on to this hurt because someone hurt them based on what they knew about them. And so we're kind of like, I I don't know if I should share or be as open with people because of your past experiences. But the part is that if you have a true relationship, the same way uh, we can say with God, God is not planning to hurt you, but what he wants is that you to build your faith, and it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to know God. But by knowing him, you're able to feel more better when you're able to answer and respond back to the questions that people ask you about your faith. Sometimes, The questions come en route to faith. It may take a day. It may take weeks. It may take months or even years. I remember when I was in in college, uh, one of the majors before I changed it was elementary education. And I wanted to go to specialize in uh, being a math teacher. And I remember one of the courses that, man, we were having a difficult time understanding one of uh, how, I think it was scientific notation. I'm pretty sure it was. And you'd be like, scientific what? I don't want to bore you with how to do it, okay? But here's what happened. Throughout the week, there was questions that this teacher was saying, this is how you do it. But the students, including myself, weren't really getting of how to get to those answers. And so one evening, I said, you know what? I want to understand it, not based on what this teacher is telling me, even though we're asking questions here and there. And it came a night that I'm thinking, I think I got it. And so I did it again. I got the same result. 
and the next morning when the teacher said, uh, who wants to do this problem here? No one raised their hand. So I took the courage to say, I, I think I feel confident enough to know. So here I am on the whiteboard, and, and I'm writing this stuff down, and, and I said, this is how I got to the answer. And in the back, I hear this, thank you, <laughs> by one of the other students. Why? Because it was a different technique of what the teacher was telling me, but the result was the same. But for him, at that moment when he's asking questions throughout the week, he didn't get an answer right away. But he found it at the, almost towards the end of that week. He found it. And sometimes we're asking questions and we get upset or, or things. And, and because we get upset, we stop asking the questions. We stop pursuing to know more. How many times in our lives have we asked a question that it does take time to answer? It's the same way as someone else asking you a question that you may not have the answer right away, but say, look, I don't know the answer, but I, I can see if I can find out for you. But remember this, it doesn't mean that everyone has to be here as an expert apologist, as I was mentioning. We should know the Bible well enough to fend off those questions and the attacks of the unbelievers. Let me, let me take, for example, this uh, following question, just in case someone asks you this. Here's the question. Why do you have faith in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead? Again, the question is, if someone asks you this question, why do you have faith that Jesus Christ resurrected uh, from the death? As you ponder that question, I'm going to ask you to please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Beginning on verse 3, the Bible is saying this, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, and let me, let me pause there for a moment. Anytime you see the bolded words, I'm going to ask for the congregation to respond, okay? So let's see here, I'm going to turn back on again. All right, so Christ died for our sins he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. He was seen by Peter. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the same Peter as we just read in the other scripture reference. And then by the 12, it says, and after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, more of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles, last of all. As though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. This verse 3 is saying that information, important information that he had received and that he is passing on. It's more of information, ladies and gentlemen. I can picture people asking those 500 or Peter or the other apostles to say, where do you see Jesus? When did you see him? There were questions out there. If they came and just said, I saw Jesus, and I would say, just believe. Yeah, yeah, but what about, no, no, just, just take my word for it, just believe. It's the questions that are so important also in our lives. And I'm sure in the, in the lives of the believers back then, when those who, those the 500 and the other apostles received and saw Jesus as he appeared to them. And that is the testimony that we here, here we are over 2,000 years later, continue to preach. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And after you listen, 
Not only are you asking questions, but it's important to listen, ladies and gentlemen. And after you listen, how are you to respond to their questions? So I'll turn back to that first Peter chapter, chapter 3, verse 16. It says, how do you respond? Do so in a gentle and respectful way. Ravi Zacharias here says, uh, is recorded saying, if you give an answer without gentleness and respect, you cut off the person's nose, and now you're offering them a rose to smell. Ladies and gentlemen, we are to be prepared but, uh, to, to share, but do so in, with uh, gentleness and respect. The gospel of Jesus Christ is to be experienced, but beyond experience, it is important for us to share. And when we share, it turns into our own testimony. A testimony of what God has done in you and through you, and that God is not done with you yet. We have to be prepared to share. Your testimony should result in people wanting to know the God that you have come to know. However, it is important to remember your behavior must be consistent with your message. If it is inconsistent, you undermine it. A person has to believe you before they believe what you say. You've heard it before, talk to talk. No, no, I don't want you to talk to talk. I want you to walk to walk. I think there has to be a balance between the two. Where you walk the talk and you talk the walk. I know, I know, it sounds silly, but. Because for me, I would love for someone to show me the experience and their life in Christ by what they do, not necessarily by what they say. But it's also important if you see someone living the life, that they can see Christ in them, that they can take a moment to listen to your questions. Hey, why, why do you pray in, in the open, in, in the restaurants before your meal? Why, why do you pray for someone who's, who's not feeling well? Why are you always happy in the morning? It's like, especially on Mondays. Who's happy on Monday? How you're able to respond, it's a question that you're able to respond, and how you're responding is very important, but it's also important for us to listen to their questions. When we walk our talk and you talk, you know, uh, the walk, it's important not only to live your life, but speak it so that way they can hear it. And there is a balance between the two. Why? Because here on verse 16, the later part of 16, it says, then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. It's good to ask questions so that we will be equipped to provide an answer to defend the faith. Be prepared to share, ladies and gentlemen. You normally don't have the opportunity of uh, raising your hands during sermon time, but you do have that opportunity in a small group setting. So part of the things I want to share with you today as we prepare again uh, throughout these weeks of the study of Jesus among secular gods, if you haven't done so already, go ahead and sign up for one of the life groups. If you have a question as for, you know, what's available, please see Ms. Heather Wallace or one of the life group leaders after the service here today. Look for opportunities to share 
your story this week. Look for opportunities to ask questions, but also be willing to listen and know how to respond. But be honest with those responses and those answers. Because people will know if you're faking it. People will know if you're just making it up. But if they see that you're talking it and that you're living it, a greater percentage, God bless you, a greater percentage is for them that they will see Christ in you. Be prepared to share. Let us pray. We thank you, God, for your love, for your mercy, for receiving us as we prepare our hearts and minds to come into this worship service, to sing to you, to hear your word. And now, Lord, we prepare our hearts and minds to receive communion today. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.